Hi everyone, I'm Tavid Nasir, and this is Leadership Biz Cafe, a podcast that explores some of the challenges and opportunities leaders face in today's increasingly complex, fast-paced, and interconnected global market. Leadership Biz Cafe is brought to you by Tavid Nasir Leadership, our leadership firm that provides both virtual and in-person leadership keynotes, corporate trainings, and consulting services that will help you to improve the way you lead. To learn more about our services and what some of our clients have had to say about our work, visit our company's website at tavinasir.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out my award-winning internationally acclaimed leadership blog as well. Continuing on something I started last year, I want to use this last episode for 2021 as an opportunity to look back at some of my favorite conversations on this podcast. Considering 2021 marked the 10th year that I've been hosting the Leadership Biz Cafe podcast, I also wanted to highlight some of the incredible guests who came on my podcast and became part of an unplanned celebration of this major milestone for this podcast. Now, as with my 2020 year-end retrospective, this won't be one of those top 10 lists. Instead, this is a chance for me to share moments from past conversations that stood out for me over these past 12 months, and which I think deserve a second look or should I say a second listen. And to start things off, I have to begin with episode number 81, where I got to sit down and speak with one of the world's preeminent leadership thinkers, Tom Peters. When I was contacted by Tom's assistant telling me that he'd like to come on my podcast, I was thrilled beyond words. As I explained to my family and friends, imagine being contacted by the assistant for your favorite singer or actor because they'd like to talk with you about their work. So, needless to say, I was pretty excited about this conversation, and I'm sure you can hear my enthusiasm throughout this episode. What I loved about this conversation with Tom was how it really felt like I had just gone to see one of Tom's keynotes, and we were sitting at a table at the after-conference cocktail party, and Tom is just sharing his thoughts and ideas from his decades-long work of trying to help leaders understand what's expected of them and what's needed from them to help their employees thrive. And as a result of that, feel like they made a difference being in that leadership role. I'll admit it was hard to pick one clip over another from our conversation as he freely shared so many great gems on how to succeed at leadership. But I think this moment really provides some important and timely insights on how leaders should view and understand their employees, as well as a powerful visual for how we should think about our leadership. You and I, neither of, neither of whom is very good at speaking Polish, we're talking about Coach K. Right. And uh, the great Duke basketball coach. And I remember him saying one time, it was the most profound thing I heard, or one of the two most profound things I heard from him. He said, 35 games a year, I never field the same team twice. Mm. Because Tom on... The 15th of March is not Tom on the 22nd of March. And he also had, which also is associated with one of my favorite topics, Coach K has his wife sit in on team meetings. And he said his wife is much better at reading the body language of a player than I am. You know, he knows that, you know, the world's greatest three-pointer is having a three-point shooter is having a girlfriend problem. But but it's it, the, the crucial part for every leader of everything all the time is, first of all, you don't know more than 2% of the person you're talking about to. 
uh, and that's probably even true with a, almost with a spouse. Uh, and besides, they are different on Tuesday than they were on Monday, and it'll be different again on Wednesday. And, and it's just, you know, and again, this is an old person talking, and this is, well, it's totally relevant, but it's, it's not. David Brooks is a New York Times columnist and a very smart guy. And he gave me us four words that I think may be the most important that I ever heard in my life, including when as a youthful Presbyterian, I read a lot of the Bible. Uh, resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. And those are his four words. And the resume virtues are, I went to McGill, then I got a PhD at the University of Chicago. Uh, I was promoted three times in my first five years, blah, 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 blah. Eulogy virtues, as, as, Brooke, as Brooks put it, eulogy virtues are what do they say about you at the funeral? What do they say about you at the funeral? And they do not talk about your 4.1 grade point average at the University of Chicago's PhD programs. I used to use this on a PowerPoint slide. I would have a tombstone and it would say $14,273,618.04 net worth of the individual at the stock market the day that he died. There are no tombstones with net worth on them. That is, that is not the measure. But we need to hire good human beings. We need to promote good human beings. We have to behave as good human beings. Uh, and then next time you look at your balance sheet, you'll find out it's a lot better than it was six months ago. Uh, my description, I think I used it in the new book. I said, my definition of a leader, and as I said when I wrote it, and I am using a very carefully chosen word, the definition of a good leader is that she or he is desperate, desperate for each of the four or 24 or 2,400 people uh, who work for him or her to succeed and grow. You know, as I was listening back to this episode, I couldn't help but be reminded of those after-class conversations I'd have with my favorite university professor in their office, where we wouldn't be talking about assignments or tests but more about how to find that path you're meant to take because it will allow you to use your full talents and abilities to make a real difference. And hearing again what Tom told me at the end of this episode about our conversation, once again, put a big smile on my face. So if you haven't listened to this episode yet, I encourage you to make the time to listen to it as Tom shares some really powerful insights on what it takes to be a successful leader. Now, there are three more episodes from 2021 that I'd like to revisit with you here. But before we do, here's a message from our sponsor. If you're looking to build a profitable side hustle that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. They used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek were regular speakers and a lot more. They have over 500 coaches working in over 127 countries, and their coaches are being hired by companies like Pfizer, Chick-fil-A, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. Giant literally gives you everything you need to start your own leadership coaching business from scratch. 
You get hands-on free training from top-level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six-figure coaches are using. An all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, even if you want to work 100% remotely. And you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business, even if you're just starting out. This workshop is 100% free, and you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv slash Tanvir. If you're ready to impact people and get paid to do it, go to giant.tv slash Tanvir. The next episode that stood out for me in 2021 is episode number 85, where I spoke with another internationally renowned thought leader, Jim Kuzes. I've had the distinct pleasure of engaging with Jim online for the past several years. And when my first book, Leadership Vertigo, came out, Jim was very kind in writing a guest piece for my leadership blog as part of a month-long celebration I held on my website to celebrate my book's release. So being able to finally speak with Jim was an absolute treat. And again, an unplanned but wonderful way to celebrate 10 years of the Leadership Biz Cafe podcast. In this episode, Jim and I were discussing his book, Everyday People, Extraordinary Leadership, How to Make a Difference Regardless of Your Title, Role, or Authority. And listening back to our conversation, I especially liked his reply to my question of how do we continue to be as bold and open to new ways of doing things as we had to be over the past 12 months in dealing with the pandemic? It's a great question. And I had an interesting conversation with another colleague of mine, uh, and the way he way he phrased this really was kind of also one of those, aha, you just said it exactly how I'd like it to be said. And his name is Steve Coates, and Steve and I have been working together for 30 years. And he was talking about clients who were struggling with this question of, you know, post-pandemic, you know, how will the workplace be? And he said, uh, you know, it's it's as if they want to go back to 2019. And I said, whoa, that's exactly the point. That that if we're if we say we need to get back to normal, we need to get back. Notice the word back, not ahead. Back. We need to go. People are yearning to go backwards to normality. What they understand was normality. And yes, there's elements of that we all want. We want to be with family. We want to be with friends. We want to be with colleagues. We want to have the opportunity to go places, get on planes, go, uh, be intimate with others, uh, our friends and family. Yes, all of those we want, but the context is changed completely globally. And if we, 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 we can't go back to 2019, we cannot turn the clock back. We cannot go back. So my prediction, and I think my good friend Tom Peters would also agree with this, that organizations which focus on going back will be less successful than those who say, what is the current context? What are the issues we're facing right now? And who's doing that really well? Who's addressing that in ways that we can learn from? Let's apply the principle of searching for opportunities, looking outward for ideas, and let's let, let's do a little shopping around and see who else is engaged in some of these same struggles and what they're learning, what they've tried. We are engaged in one big global experiment right now. And from my way of looking at the world these days, we are operating on hypotheses. 
We don't know, for example, Tanvir, and I, I, you and I work virtually and have for a long time, but, but a lot of people haven't. You know, will the workplace be totally virtual? Will it be hybrid? Will it be everybody's got to go back to work in a physical setting? Well, that's, that's one way of looking about it. The other way is just to say, these are questions we ought to be asking ourselves. Let's set up little experiments. Let's try this and see. Let's talk to people about what's been good about virtual, what's been really awful about virtual, and is there some way we can uh, problem solve around this and find some ways for people to be uh, in person part of the time, potentially, or you know, what jobs really require that and what jobs don't? Uh, and what are the most appropriate times for us to be together? And maybe there are times when we don't need to be. So rather than going into this as a leader with an answer, what we need to go into this next few months as we begin to ease our way forward into new ways of working, let's ask some critical questions and begin to do little experiments uh, and then we learn from them. So that's how we can apply this notion of searching for opportunities and then experimenting and taking risks by just create, treating these as a, like a scientist would treat them and have a hypothesis about what might work and see if it does and learn from the failures and from the successes. It's interesting to note that I recorded this conversation with Jim back in March before anyone had even heard of the Great Recession. So it just goes to show how there are solutions or at least starting points to getting to those solutions if, as Jim points out, leaders are willing to experiment to figure out how to best tap into those opportunities so they can better serve their employees. To do otherwise is to ensure your employees will be amongst the millions already heading out the door in search of better prospects. On an aside, it's also fun to hear Jim mention his friend Tom Peters here too. It'd be fun to have Tom and Jim on the show together. Now that would be an illuminating conversation on leadership. So the next episode that was a highlight for me was episode number 91, where my guest was New York Times columnist and best-selling author Adam Bryant. Like many people who enjoy reading stories about leaders, I was a fan of Adam's corner office column for the New York Times. So I was looking forward to speaking with someone who's also experienced with interviewing leaders and leadership experts. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear in our pre-show conversation that Adam is a fellow Montrealer. As with Tom Peters and Jim Cousins, it just goes to show it's a small world we all live in. Now, in my conversation with Adam, we talked about his latest book, The CEO Test, Master the Challenges That Make or Break All Leaders. In this segment from our conversation, I asked Adam about four simple but powerful questions he writes that every leader should ask about the teams they lead and why it's important for leaders to reflect on them if they are to get the best out of every single employee in their organization. There's lots of different frameworks out there for thinking about teams, but Kevin and I just tried to keep reducing it to first principles, which is like, what are the four key questions that have to be answered? And the first one is, why are we a team? And that may seem like an obvious question, but sometimes, you know, when you really, you sort of get asked, it's like, well, we're a team because every company has a leadership team and that's why you're a team. It's like, no, why are you a team? What is the purpose of having a team and meeting together as a team? And that tends to lead to an interesting conversation because a lot of leadership team meetings are, are really just everybody taking their turn, 
you know, doing report outs to the boss while everybody is looking at their phone under the table, right? Waiting for their turn. Right. Um, and so there's only, to me, there's only one answer to that question of like, what is the purpose of the team, which is to accomplish things that you can only accomplish together as a team, right? Like what are the big lifts that you need people from different functions to work together to accomplish? So that's the first question. The second question is who should be on the team? And you know, one of the things I've heard from, from so many leaders is this challenge of, of being very clear on sort of where the bar is that you're going to set. Because what very often happens in our mentoring work with leaders will often say, you know, start hearing things like, you know, this person's really loyal. They've been with the company a long time. You know, they're really good glue for the team. And we'll stop them and say, that's not what we asked you. Like, tell us about their performance. Right. And are they getting better every year? Um, and very, very often the answer is no. And so there's can be this slippery slope that leaders sometimes get on where they start excusing away, you know, maybe slightly substandard performance of people on their team. And so at some level, you've just got to be really demanding and say, this is what I need for my team to get us to the next level and be willing to shift, you know, shake up the team again rather than just always sort of making excuses for people. The third question is, how are we going to work together as a team? And there was a great example from a company uh, service now um, in, in San Francisco, and they the leadership team there created what they called a social contract at an offsite. And they actually kicked the CEO out of the room so that they could work on it together. But basically drawing up a contract of behaviors that they were going to expect from each other. And um, it, it, it was so powerful, they even painted it on the wall outside the executive office so that everybody could see it. But just this is how much they believed in it. Like one example from that was they talked East West first rather than North South. And what that means is if somebody on the team has a problem, don't just go North to the CEO to fix it. Work with your peers East West to try and solve it first before you go to the CEO, because they were trying to sort of counter that dynamic. And then finally, what is the leader's role on the team? And the leader really needs to reflect and actually needs to own more than they might think in terms of their role on the team. Because I've, I've seen a lot of leaders over the year, they almost keep this kind of arm's length distance from their team. And maybe the team is slightly dysfunctional and they'll sort of scratch their head and say, why is my team so dysfunctional? Like, why aren't they getting along better <laughs> when they're not, they kind of need to look in the mirror and recognize, like, they're the one who's setting the tone, setting the expected behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the kind of four key questions that we think lead to productive conversations. And one of the points we made at the beginning of the book is, like, we want the book to help, you know, start productive conversations rather than to end conversations. Now, if you've ever attended one of my leadership keynotes or workshops, you probably left with a set of questions to help you assess your leadership, if not also a better understanding about the kind of questions we should be asking both ourselves and those we lead. And this set of four questions Adam shares are definitely worth taking note of and reflecting on as you plan for what you want to accomplish in 2022 and beyond. Now, speaking of fellow Canadians, the next episode I want to highlight is episode number 79, where I spoke with my friend and fellow Canuck, Dan Pontefract, about his new book, Lead, Care, Win, How to Become a Leader Who Matters. 
I've been wanting to have Dan on my show for some time, and I'm glad we finally got around to having this conversation on my podcast, as it's always nice to hang out with a friend and talk shop, as it were. One of my favorite moments from our conversation came from this question I asked Dan about why leaders need to shift their mindset from worrying about managing their time and instead become more intentional about how present they really are to hear and understand what their employees are trying to tell them, something that many surveys and studies have shown leaders around the world were doing a dismal job of before the pandemic, and one I imagine has only become worse in this new hybrid work model. So here's what Dan had to say about that. Well, I mean, first of all, there, there is no such thing as time management, and I think I say in the book something like uh, time adultery, perhaps. Um, and, and that's my point is that, you know, it's a behavior. You, you have to take a look at how you're behaving with the allocation of your 168 hours a week. I mean, that's the one true promise that we all are given each week is we have 168 hours. What are you doing with it? And so, you know, when I uh, have the pleasure of and and very humbly uh, working with leaders and executives, et cetera. You know, one of the first things I'll often do is, is ask them, um, can I see your calendar? And, you know, under NDA, it's like, you know, I get that part, but I asked them, I said, so, and inevitably, Tamir, what you see in Monday to Friday is back to back to back to back to back to back to back, right? And it's, it seems to be either 30 minute meetings or 60 minute meetings, they're never 20 or 45 with breaks in between just to collect their thoughts. There's never, you know, me time, as I call it at least, uh, which is the, the preservation of time for yourself to think, compute, ponder, marinate, uh, relax even, maybe go for a walk. Uh, so we, we tend to use Google Calendar, Apple, Outlook, whatever, and we just look at it and like, oh, let's fill it up. And I, I don't see that um, w- when I analyze the calendars, I don't see that uh, most for the most part being very analytical use of time because there just tend to be meetings. And yes, I'm not naive enough to, to suggest that you're, you don't have one-on-one meetings and that you shouldn't have those. Those are great opportunities for coaching and mentoring, et cetera. Look, I get that. But when I ask the next level of time audit, have you audited you know, how you're using those meetings. Like, do you have any sense of how many one-on-ones you have? Do you have any sense of how many project meetings you're in? Do you have any sense of how many, you know, executive level meetings you've got on your calendar to prepare for the next executive? Like, no one seems to actually look at the calendar and say, yeah, I'm completely well up on how I'm spending my time. So I say, look, to stay present is actually you analyzing your behavior. But then if you're so privileged to lead others, Tanvir, you really have to then go to the next level and say, well, how am I going to audit? I know it's a strong term, but that's the point. How am I going to audit the team to understand how they're using their time? Because a caring leader will know, you know the, the balance or the lack of a load balance on the team. They'll know how much time they're spending on overall projects. They'll know how much time that they're, they're working with customers or whatever the case may be. And if that leader doesn't know, then they're just essentially trickle downing their own lack of, um, of time behavior. And it just creates this festering preponderance of uh, time mismanagement, quite frankly. 
In looking back at the many conversations I've had with leaders over these past 12 months, some of the leaders I spoke with admitted they were feeling more tied down to their desks in a virtual setting than they were in the office setting. But as Dan pointed out, the problem is not simply that we're working remotely. Rather, it's how we're managing our behavior, of how we understand what's the best use of our time, which of course impacts how our employees go about treating their work time and availability. And interestingly, this is a great setup for the last episode I want to highlight in this 2021 year-end retrospective, and it's episode number 93, where I talk with another good friend of mine, Scott Mautz, about his new book, Leading from the Middle, a playbook for managers to influence up, down, and across the organization. Now, building off what I shared from my conversation with Dan Pontefract, In this clip, Scott shares four great questions that leaders should sit down and talk with employees who they see being at risk of suffering from burnout, something that was not only a concern before the pandemic, but something that's understandably garnering more attention as leaders try to figure out what the new way of work will look like in their organization. Problem is, we become better as a leadership universe in spotting them we become more befuddled on how to solve them, especially as it gets more complex in a hybrid world and all of that. And what we found is it's really powerful. You can sit down and discuss four hypotheses with your employees that you suspect may be burning out. Discuss four hypotheses in particular to help you figure out how to solve employee burnout. So for example, let's say, uh, you know, Tanvir, that uh, you're on my team, right? And, uh, you know, I'm your boss and I, I can see you're frazzled and I could see some of the classic signs. You're starting to, your productivity is dropping, your quality is dropping, you're becoming more cynical, you're disengaged. And, and I approach you with a strong suspicion that you're burning out. These are four hypotheses I'm going to sit down and, and discuss with you. Number one, all right, Tanvir, is it too much work here? Is that bottom line? Is that what we're talking about? Is it just too much work? And if that's the case, you discuss priorities and how to take non-essential work off of employees' plates. That's where everybody starts, right? Is it just too much work? Yes or no? The second thing you ask is, is it the wrong work? Especially if it's a go-getter like you, Tanvir. You know, you you could easily fall into, I'm going to take on whatever work is thrown my way to show my capacity. Never really asking, is it the right work or not? That question leads to discussion on not just the work, but even the role. Is the role the right fit for your skills and your talents? Maybe you're getting burned out because, you know what, you weren't meant to be a podcaster. <laughs> you were meant to be something else. And we need to talk about that. You know, uh, the third hypothesis that you sit down and ask with, you talk to your employee about is, hey, are you getting the wrong response to your work? And we found this to be kind of a sneaky, hidden one in, in our research that this, this is what, you know, if the employee feels underappreciated for their efforts, They're going to try to make up for it, continually try to make up for it through more and more work because they're not getting the right response to their work. People aren't saying that it's good. People aren't thanking them for it. So what do they do? They work even harder. Or people are objecting and debating their ideas and they're not understanding that, you know, you need debate to to advance the cause. So what do they do? They take on even more work to try to, to, to create solutions that are never going to be debated at all. And that's not the right. So you really have to ask, you know, are you getting the wrong response to your work and dial up the appreciation for their work and help them to bust barriers that are getting in the way from getting the response that they want? And then the fourth, uh, we found this one to be super powerful as well. 
the fourth thing you talk with your employees to address burnout is you ask, hey, look, are you just being unrealistic in your expectations of your own work? And this is where you really call out that the truth is, Tanvir, a lot of people are burning out because they're, they're causing it themselves, because they're not being choiceful enough. They have a ridiculous, I can and must do everything, and I must do it to the gold standard level on every single thing I do. Perfectionism kicks in. Uh, you know, you got to help them get past their fear of rejection or criticism or being perfect and help them to understand that sometimes you got to get good good enough. And so we found that those four questions in particular can really help middle managers in, in addressing burnout. I love how in this small segment from my conversation with Scott, you get this great framework for how to address a key issue many leaders are currently grappling with. And on a personal note, Another reason why this was one of my favorite episodes from 2021 is because I had met Scott a few years back when he was a guest on my podcast, and we just hit it off like we had been friends for years. We even met up a few months after the interview to hang out when he was visiting here in Montreal. Since then, Scott and I have become good friends, which is why I'm delighted to be able to help support his latest book through my podcast. And speaking of this podcast, as I mentioned in this episode, Scott made Leadership Biz Cafe history here as he's the first guest to have a repeat appearance on my podcast. Again, it wasn't something planned, but it's nice that I get to share that moment with a good friend and during the 10th year of our podcast as well. So I hope you enjoyed this look back at my favorite episodes from 2021. And putting this year-end retrospective together helped me appreciate just how incredible the conversations were over this past year and how it made for an impromptu celebration of my podcast, which will be entering its 11th year in 2022. And what's great is that I feel like I'm just getting warmed up. I do hope you'll give these and other past episodes another listen. And if you haven't already checked them out, hopefully hearing these clips from these episodes will encourage you to scroll down to give them a listen. I promise you, each of them is worth the time. My thanks again to Tom Peters, Jim Kuzes, Adam Bryant, Dan Pontefract, and Scott Mouts, in addition to all my other guests who've appeared on my podcast over the course of 2021. I appreciate you sharing your insights with my listeners and helping all of us learn how we can succeed at improving our leadership craft in order to help our employees and our organization to succeed and thrive. Now, if you enjoyed this year in retrospective and would like to share it with your friends and colleagues, I'd like to encourage you to share with them a link to our podcast page at tampinaseer.com slash LBC. There they will find links to subscribe to my podcast on all the major platforms, an online media player to listen to past episodes, and links to the show notes for all past episodes. I'd also like to ask that if you haven't already done so, to rate and review my podcast on your favorite streaming platform. I know Spotify has just made it possible for listeners to rate podcasts on their platform, so if you're listening to this show on Spotify, please do rate us to help others find this podcast and check it out. And if you've been enjoying the insights I've been discussing here on my podcast and would like to have me share them with your team and organization, I'd like to encourage you to drop me a line by filling out the contact form on my website at tavinasir.com. You can also check out my speaking page and workshops page to learn more about some of the topics I cover. And with that, I'm Tavinasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.